Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast. It's our NFL Week 11 breakdown. I'm going to bring in the homie from Fox News, Scott Martin, a little bit later to talk about his stats and public betting model picks. But first, we got the man, the myth, the legend, the most aggressive handicapper I know, Dan Z. Uh, I like to be referred to by my new uh, betting handle that is the ultimate fade. <laughs> I might change my I change my Twitter handle to at the ultimate fade. That's so SEO friendly that you might pick up followers pretty fast. I like it. I mean, look, there's no way to sugarcoat it, right? Six and twenty-four over the past five weeks, I think. That is a 20% winning percentage. Although, if you listened to me and just faded me, you'd be at 80% winning percentage, which is absolutely unheard of. Dude, people want the extremes in their sports betting content. No one likes me because I'm pretty much 50-50, anywhere from 55 to 45. And I don't know. That kind of mediocrity, meteoric, meteor, hmm mediocrity excuse me isn't something you want to tail or fade it's just you're gonna get killed by the vic you lose money either way (laughs) yeah yeah all the money goes to the house and that's exactly where we don't want it to go yeah you should change your your handle to like house donator (laughs) the house for like I i don't know i don't know just i don't know casual gambler Recreational. I mean, I guess I am a recreational gambler. I will figure this out. We're not gonna. We're not gonna get the answer to this one, um, in this podcast. So we'll just workshop it later. But there are fourteen games in the NFL Week Eleven schedule. You have bets in several of them. I actually didn't ten. feel like ten. Okay, ten. cool. I didn't want to. I didn't feel like counting them, and then putting together. Um, a rundown. Instead, we're just going to talk about all the games and we'll figure out simultaneously, me and the listeners, what you have action on. be a much shorter podcast if we just talked about the games I don't have action in. I wonder if, if there's any one of my picks that you're not you're not betting in any way, shape, or form. I'm on most of what you're on, which should scare you. It doesn't. I was looking in Airtable, our uh, internal you know, storyboard, and I was—I see all your picks, and I'm like, I took that, took that, took that, took that. All right. Well, hey. Oh wait, we have one oppo, so that'll be fun. We'll uh, we'll have at least one oppo bet in this pod for do, the for the listeners. Does anyone? Do you know the ledger on that? On what? On our head-to-head bets. Not a clue. I think I'm up three games, and I was up one game going into last week. 
We only got one last week, so how would you be up? How would you go from one to three with one with going plus one? Well, it's because I just lied, and you you figured <laughs> that out. Well, I didn't lie uh, purposely. We had three, and it was a two and one, so that's plus one. So even if you were plus one, although I don't think you were, I think I was plus one. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So do you just want to call it even, and I'm going into this week plus one, and we'll really try to keep track of it, or no? Yeah, that's fine. All right, sounds good. So Thursday night football has been an absolute dumpster fire for most of the season, but they are finally redeeming themselves over there at Amazon by giving us the Cincinnati Bengals at Baltimore Ravens. Actually, if you look at the Thursday night schedule, like we got most of the duds out of the way. It's not a bad look the rest of the way. I mean, this is by far the best game, obviously, but if the Thursday night schedule... I believe I looked at this over the next few weeks. Like, isn't bad. I mean, you've got, well, technically Dolphins-Jets is a Friday game because of Thanksgiving, so I don't even know if we can really count that. But if you look ahead, you've got Cowboys-Seahawks. That's not that's not a bad matchup. Do have Steelers-Patriots. That's not great. I mean, Chargers-Raiders could be fun. Rams-Saints. Okay, never mind. It's not as good as I thought. Yeah. They really uh, screwed out Michael's over, giving him bullshit to, to commentate, even though... I have a theory that he doesn't really care because that means he gets to watch all the good games on Sunday when he doesn't have to work. Yeah, I I think I think the Al Michael stuff is interesting and as far like Thursday is at a disadvantage because every team has to play on Thursday. So Sunday night football doesn't have to schedule the you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all. Yeah. If they don't want to. Like the Carolina you know I mean? Panthers, Chicago Bears. Yeah, like they, they just don't schedule those teams. Now, I mean, you know, things go awry. You have matchups that look good in the preseason and then turn out to be crappy. Um, But even with the flex scheduling, like Sunday, it's so much easier to flex games out of Sunday night football than it is Thursday because of the logistical challenges it would take to switch a Thursday game. I mean, you know, these teams, you're talking about changing their entire week as opposed to trying to flex from Sunday night to Sunday afternoon, which is not a huge deal. Or even Monday to Sunday isn't the biggest deal in the world. But, yeah, Thursday's just... It's just the nature of the beast. I honestly, I want to say I I would be fine if they got rid of Thursday night football, but like I wouldn't because I like having a a game on Thursday. For sure. Um, Yeah, I hate all that nonsense about not liking Thursday night football. It just gives us more product, more things to bet on. I mean, next week we've got Thanksgiving, Black Friday game, Sunday, and Monday. You telling me? NFL fans aren't excited about having football four out of five days. Come on. Yeah, it always weirds me out when people say they don't like they don't want more games. Like even when we went from They're seventeen lying. to eighteen games, I was like, I if they gave us fifty game schedules, I'd be down as long as as long as these guys can hold up for it. Like as much as they can play, and as long as they're financially incentivized to do so, I don't care how much. I the more the better. I almost think at some point we get to twenty. Like I think that's the number that football is targeting. Well, there's no way it's going to stay at 17. Like, that makes zero sense to have an odd number of games. (laughs) Like, it's just, I know they're making it work by switching between conferences between nine and eight uh, home games per, per, uh, per year. Yeah, I guess that unbalanced, I guess you're right. That unbalanced part where some teams get nine home games and some get eight does feel. 
I mean, there is a, I, I a like, little bit unfair. Like, I like the fact we don't do the metric system. I like America does its own shit, but there's a reason we would be the only professional sports league, I think, to have an odd number of games in the regular season schedule. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, 18 is, is coming. Yeah. But I think sure. ultimately they, they would love to get to 20. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a cash cow. They'd like to get as many games as possible. As far as this one, I'm looking at underdog uh, NFL Twitter, and apparently Ronnie Staley is out, the left tackle for the uh, for the Ravens. T. Higgins is out, and this money is taking, or this total is taking money towards the over, which I don't get considering the primetime games are 7-25 and 25 to the under this year. I think I'm just going to keep it simple, stupid, and bet the under. Yeah, me too. Um, there are a couple trends that kind of, I don't know if you if you looked into this, that support an over here. Um, like the Bengals and Ravens, I believe their last four games against each other have gone over. Uh, so there's that. I mean, including the one that they played earlier this year that was high scoring. I think that's, that's playing into this number as well. But, I, I mean, I'm with you. I don't. I don't see how this game is 46 points. I mean, it's an AFC North divisional rivalry on a short week. These are two extremely conservative coaches. In fact, based on analytical modeling, um, I believe Harbaugh is last in the NFL and Zach Taylor's 30th in the NFL in aggressiveness as far as going for fourth downs when they should versus kicking, which is fascinating to me. But so you got two non-aggressive coaches on a short week in a game that figures to be close scoring, especially based on the spread being three points, divisional matchup. Everything screams under, but I've been getting everything wrong. So you should probably prepare for like 58 points in this game. Let's start that shit now. This is a bounce back week for you, man. <laughs> we'll see. I did win Thursday last week before uh, going two and nine the rest of the way or two and eight the rest of the way. So maybe the Thursday pick is the one to follow. So you're on a one-game winning streak in Thursday Night Football. Yes. I almost wanted to bet the Bengals here because of the whole AFC North underdog thing. We talked about it last week with the uh, Browns-Ravens, which the Browns pulled out of their asses and helped me get a winning week in the Circa Million. But AFC North underdogs are now 42-22 and 22 against the spread since 2018. But this, this Bengals team just hasn't been efficient the whole year. And Baltimore has played two of the best games on the entire NFL, uh, in the ent- entire season against the Detroit Lions and, and Seahawks. We haven't seen that much or anything that good out of the Cincinnati Bengals this year. And both these teams, rule of Dan Z, both these teams soared over the total last week. The I know the, the Texans-Bengals caught you off guard. I didn't have money on it, but I leaned to the same side that you did, which was under the total. That got and over. And it was, I mean, it was there for most of the game, and then it just wasn't. It was one of those where I was sitting pretty at like halftime. I think there was 17 points at halftime. Yeah, and then 40 in the second half. 40 in the second half, which is... You know, it, they, that's why they call it gambling. That could happen here too, but I don't think it will. No, no, I'm 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 leaning to the under. I actually will have to write it up probably for content tomorrow, so I'll end up doing that. 
Uh, next game, though, my New York Giants playing the Washington Commanders. Um, I wouldn't bet this with your money. I could try to find a prop while you're breaking this game down. Wait, did you bet this with your money? Nope. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, since we're here, might as well talk about it a little bit, right? The uh, the Washington Commanders are nine and a half point favorites. If I were to go either which way, and I'm not even just being a homer here, I would take the Giants plus the points because, I mean, the Giants beat the Commanders outright earlier this year. Granted, it was at home, but it was 14-7 to with Tyrod Taylor. You know, I I think Sam Howell is actually pretty good, and I think he leads the NFL in passing yards right now. But that's due for some regression. And I... I like this Washington team. I backed them last week against Seattle Seahawks, which ended up making me money. But they're not good enough to be double-digit favorites against any NFL team. Now we can argue, are the Giants really an NFL team? That's a f- are they a double-digit favorite, though? I, I see well, they have, to win by, they have to win by double digits, is I guess what I meant to say. Okay. Yeah, nine and a half. I, the only bet I really even considered here and ultimately didn't end up taking because I thought about the under because usually just when you have two bad teams. But as you mentioned, um, Sam Howell has been throwing the ball a lot. Um, Washington's not afraid to throw the ball. And the Giants' defense isn't very good. So I, I couldn't get there on that. I The only thing I really considered was Giants under, uh, under 13 and a half points because <laughs> I just don't know that they can score. But... I, I don't love Washington's defense, and they managed to get there against the Cowboys last week just because Dallas at some point was like, okay, this game's over. They benched all their starters. Um, yeah, so I, it's a stay away, but the only one I even considered was Giants under their total. No, yeah, the, the Washington pass defense is very gettable. Um, Tommy DeVito threw for 175 yards against the Las Vegas Raiders. That regressed down to 86. He somehow got two touchdown passes against Dallas last last week, but I think Brian Dable can scheme something up to get them to, I don't know, double digits, which, again, might be good enough to cover against Washington. It's kind of why I like the under a little bit in this game. That's another one I looked at because I, I think at this point the Giants' strategy has to be just try to take as much air out of the football as possible and just keep the opposing offense off the field for as long as possible. Um, I don't know that there's any other – feasible strategy for this team right now but yeah none none of them really and look i made 10 bets so i'm not afraid to throw i'm not afraid to throw it down but i just couldn't get there with anything that in this game (laughs) that's fair all right uh let's talk about again i i'm finding this on real time as well what are you laughing at just you the fact that you made 10 bets (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why you're so fascinated by that uh, I mean, I probably have upwards of 10 NFL bets going uh, at, by yeah. the end of Sunday, but I don't have them ready to go by Wednesday. Mm, fair enough. A lot of it's just me firing from the hip, sitting on my couch, I, intoxicated. It, you know what's hilarious is that I've been, my record's bad, but like right before kickoff, I checked my closing line value and I've been getting solid CLV and still losing. Yeah. Yeah. That was my whole NBA season last year and a lot of my um, football season. Great CLV, not really winning. 
you last year. I don't remember your CLV, but you were crushing it. So I don't know, man. I think CLV is really the most overrated thing. It's one of those. It's one of those things that sports books use to limit betters because you know winning betters usually get good CLV. That's kind of the point, you know, beating the market or getting to the right answer first. But from my perspective, it has not been it has not been profitable getting CLV or in the games that I get it for. I haven't necessarily made more money. So um, Vegas Raiders at. The Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are favored up to 13 at Caesars. 13 and a half at points bet. Holy, holy smokes. I uh, I hope Devin A-Chain balls out. I have him on my fantasy team. Need that guy to come through for Same. me so I can make the playoffs. Same. You know what's hilarious is I have I bet on 10 out of 14 games this week and you've managed to hit two that I haven't touched. I'm literally just going through team rankings right now and how they have them listed, which is mostly chronologically. That's how I'm going. That's how I'm doing it. So I know it's kind of random, but um, do you see any, like this feels like the letdown spot for Vegas, right? Um, I was just talking about this with our colleague, Zach Dean, who's a big dolphins fan uh, like myself. And he, told me that he's betting essentially the farm on the dolphins and i man i just i can't give 13 and a half points to pretty much anyone and i don't are the raiders that bad like relative to the teams that should be giving up 13 points like new york the the giants that is or carolina i mean I don't know that the Raiders are as bad as those teams. I mean, I know they're, I mean, obviously their five and five records misleading, but it's not, I just, I don't know. I don't think they're that bad to be giving 13 points to really anyone. The Dolphins are 14 point favorites at home against Carolina a couple weeks ago. And Carolina was my best bet of the week that week. Did And it looked great well. for like, a, it looked great for a, a decent amount of time. Didn't they jump out 14, nothing? You're up like 28, nothing with the points. Yep. Yeah, it was 14 nothing after the first, like, five minutes. And me and my brother were looking at each other and just saying, no way this holds. No way. Yeah, the Dolphins, I mean, they can put it two teams, and they certainly have. They are definitely the type of team that can cover 14 points. Um, some some great teams don't cover huge numbers. It's just not how they play. Uh, the Dolphins definitely do. Having beaten the Broncos by 50, the Giants by 15, the Panthers by 21, the Patriots by 14. Um, I mean, in fact, looks like what four of their six wins this year have come by 14 points or more. So, yeah, I mean, again, that's why I stayed away from it. I I don't want to give up 13 points. Um, but I can definitely see a world where the dolphins win this game, like 35 to 10. Yeah. The, the, the reports coming from Miami's practices is that the Fick Vangio defensive scheme is really like, they're really starting to pick it up. Everyone looks great. This is the healthiest Miami's defense has been all season. They're coming off of a bye. Shit, might be the healthiest our offense has been all season as well. Jalen Waddle says he feels the best he's felt all year. Again, there should be getting A-Chain back. I might have butchered his name for a second straight time, but if to me it's either the Dolphins or Pass. Officially, I'm picking Pass, um, but I want nothing to do with the Raiders, even though they got my, my guy, Antonio Pierce. And I like Aiden O'Connell. A-O- AOC, which is my favorite NFL nickname right now. This is 
Let's go to the AFC South. Not sure if you have anything in this. Um, I definitely don't have anything in this. The Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars are seven-point favorites on the consensus. Cornercovers.com. Totals up to 40.5 after opening at 40. If I didn't use a bullet on the Titans last week, mistakenly took them as coin flip underdogs, so that's slight underdogs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They choked. Buccaneers kind of handed it to them. I would definitely be back in the Titans in this spot because we've seen, I, I've been a pro Jaguars guy, but we've seen clunky offense out of them for weeks in a row. Their defense is more of, I think, the breadwinner of that team than the offense. And that's coming from, again, a huge Trevor Lawrence fan. Not really a fan of his playmakers around him, but that shouldn't matter, really. And I don't know, this just feels like a spot where Mike Vrabel makes this a, a, I don't know, a 17-14 to game and somehow covers or maybe even steals it out, right? Do you have anything in this game? Uh, yeah, and thank you for basically making most of my points for me. Uh, I'm betting the Titans under 16.5 points. Uh, you basically said it all. Jaguars defense is actually the part of the team I like the most. Um, Will Levis came out great, but, you know, he's a rookie quarterback, and he fell. Every other team passed on him for a reason. Um He's kind of coming back down to earth. I just I don't see a world where the Titans score 17 here. Uh, it's very weird, but the Titans have actually scored exactly 16 points in three of their past five games, which is a super weird number to hit three times in five games. Um, Jacksonville, when they played two similar offenses, Pittsburgh and Atlanta, scored 10 and seven points. So, yeah, I I didn't. I'm kind of with you where I think there's a world where the Titans could stay under. 16 and a half points and cover, which is why I didn't hit that. But I also think there's a world where Jacksonville's offense does wake up and beats the pants off Tennessee and scores 30 points, which is why I didn't play the total. So my, my favorite side here is just uh, taking the Titans under. What was the team total you got? 16 and a half. You said three straight games. They've scored exactly 16 points. No, three out of their last five. Excuse me. Sorry. They've they've scored exactly 16 points. Damn. That one might be one I'd tail you on. Because we Thank did you. say similar things. And again, I like the Jaguars' defense a lot as well. Good stuff, Dan. Good stuff. Man, I, man, I feel good now. I think I just need to come on the pod. Just like be reinvigorated. I needed you to remind me how great I am. <laughs> You're a legend in my eyes. Um, Arizona Cardinals at the Houston Texans. Almost call them the Houston Rockets. I'm basketball brain. Uh, the Houston Texans are five-point favorites right now, which, excuse me, I'm seeing four and a half on covers. Opened at six. Early sharp money took that from six down to four. Now it's back up to four and a half. People are loving the Cardinals. I swapped out the Vikings last minute last week with the Cardinals after talking to you a little bit about it. I'm a big Kyler Murray fan, Um, and especially in today's NFL, he's probably a top 10 quarterback, close to it, Um, you know, considering, again, all the the, the quarterbacks that are out with an injury. I think, and I don't think, 
C.J. Stroud, frankly, is due for regression. Houston is now like the darlings of the NFL. D'Amico Ryans is getting coach of the year buzz slightly. Uh, C.J. Stroud has a little more hype around him for possibly winning NFL MVP. And frankly, based on their performances, that's actually fair. I think those are fair conversations to have right now. But I just have to fade, you know, that. It's kind of like when Stephen A. Smith called the Detroit Lions the best team in football. It's like, well, now that now is the now is the selling point. And that's kind of how I feel about about the Texans. And the Cardinals, they only won 25-23 against the Falcons. Granted, um or when you look on when you look under the hood of those that that victory, it's actually more impressive. They outgained the Falcons 5.9 to 3.9 um yards per play. They had three more non-penalty first downs, so they were just a more efficient offense. And Texans lost to the Falcons earlier this year with Desmond Ritter playing, and they only scored 19 points, which is my final like angle here, my final factor here. Like The Texans are, are four-and-a-half-point favorites. They put up 13 against the Carolina Panthers a couple weeks ago. right? Like they got smacked by, by Gardner Minshew and the Colts, who... I continue to be wrong about he's you know they actually keep winning games somehow but it's not really because of Gardner Minshew it's kind of some voodoo or magic so I'm in a lot of ways fading the Texans here but I also am buying stock in the Cardinals with Kyler Murray back yeah I don't have anything to add I'm on the same this is one of those ones we are on the same side here uh I agree with pretty much everything you said the only thing i'll add is the weird quirk that i mentioned earlier which is that the houston texans are five and zero against white quarterbacks and zero and four against black quarterbacks this year um kyler murray is black kyler murray is black that's true um i mean and honestly like look you know not to be stereotypical here but generally black quarterbacks a little bit more mobile than white quarterbacks i think houston struggles a little bit with passers who are able to get out of the pocket break contain um and it's happened four times this year. They they've had their best success against the more traditional um, pocket guys, and I think that plays in here on top of everything you said. Wait a second, we can get an answer to this real quick. We can get an answer of what? How Houston Texans play against running quarterbacks? Like how many running? How many yards running yards they give up to opposing quarterbacks? It's not so. That's the thing. Like it's not that. That I looked that up. It, they don't run for a lot, but it's not necessarily that. It's that I don't. I'm not worried about them giving up rushing yards. I'm worried more about that the fact that their defense seems to struggle when guys get out of the pocket and make plays through the air. They want quarterbacks to sit in the pocket, and those who don't more frequently tend to have success. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making stuff up. I probably am. Who cares? <laughs> I love it. I, dude, I make shit up all the time. We have some of the weakest proofreaders here at Outkick. I just I just lie. Just, it's, just it's the stats. funniest. It's the funniest stat though. Like, how hilarious is it that the card or that the Texans like are zero and four against black quarterbacks and five and zero against white quarterbacks? Yeah, uh, that's something I didn't notice. But hey, just makes me I laugh. Know, I know, I know you're digging deep right now in your handicaps. Look, you got sometimes. You just, sometimes you just find a trend that no one else is on, and uh, I found one. All right. Um, Although there's some debate about that because technically 
although Anthony Richardson started for the Colts when they beat them, he was injured in the first quarter. However, he had scored two touchdowns prior to that, so I'm still chalking that up as him getting the win. Yeah, and Gardner Minshew feels like more of a black quarterback than a white quarterback. <laughs> okay, now we're treading into some weird territory. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry. I don't even know what that meant. It was just a funny group of words that were in my head, and I wanted to say it. Uh... It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another game that I have action on, not sure where you sit. Uh, The Los Angeles Chargers are three-point favorites right now as they go into Lambeau to play the Green Bay Packers. Started at three and a half. Every, Every... Sharp of the betting account probably took the hook there. Can't say that I blame them. I wish that I got it, but I'm going to grab the three, whatever. You know, Green Bay ranks higher than the Chargers in net yards per play. They're 12th, and the Chargers are 24th. Their fifth, Green Bay, is in net pressure rating. They actually do a pretty good job of keeping Jordan Love upright. The Chargers are 24th. Their defensive line really only gets to terrible quarterbacks. They don't really do a good job. I mean, I I guess Jordan Love is terrible, granted, but the offensive line isn't bad. Jordan Love also improving in passing grades in five straight games, according to PFF. I thought that was interesting. And I think this is another situation where the market's overrating the Chargers. Green Bay was plus four at Pittsburgh last week. Now, let me try to say this correctly. I... I think there should be more of a one-point difference from the Packers going to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers than them hosting the Chargers. Does that make sense? Say that again? I think there should be... The the Packers are were four-point underdogs going to Pittsburgh last week, and they're three-point underdogs hosting the Chargers this week. I think there should be bigger than a one-point difference between them going to Pittsburgh and them hosting the Chargers. Does that okay. make sense? I, I'm For some reason, my brain isn't really able to even gather what you're saying. I know. I think that's like a 30-word sentence, and it's just like, ah. As I write it and as I but say it, it think, gets boring. So the Packers were four-point dogs on the road. And they're three-point dogs at home, and so you think the spread should be what? I think it should be a pick em. I mean, maybe the Chargers okay. by a point. And All the, right, dude, this is hurting my brain. We're oppo here. I'm taking the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to absolutely just put it to Green Bay. Yeah. Put it to them. Why is that? I mean, Keenan Allen's not practicing. Josh Palmer's out for the year. Mike Williams is out for the year. I keep telling you Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly suck. They suck. And I, I'll, I'm going to continue to say it until you actually believe me. The, the, the Green Bay Packers are actually good against the pass. They suck against the run. Again, Chargers can't run the ball. And this Chargers defense, it's actually a fireball offense for Brandon Staley. I know you like Brandon Staley. I'm not as anti Brandon Staley as the people you find annoying about it, but I'm there's all he's also got issues. And that issue is the the defense. 
Morapo. Next game. Where's my notes? God damn it. By the way, who's the best quarterback that the Green Bay Packers have played against this year? Because their only win in the last six weeks came against Brett Rippon. They play against Kirk Cousins? Mm, they... mm, I don't think so, right? Or Kirk Cousins got injured in that game. They lost 24-10. Does Russell Wilson count? I mean, they played Jared Goff. Jared Goff ripped their face off. Right. So, here we go. Herbert's going to rip their face off. Dude, which is another thing. The Detroit Lions were minus two-point favorites on a short week in Lambeau. Now the Chargers, given all their injuries and their defensive woes, you're getting a bad number, bro. Are we? Are we? Is this? Is this? Is this a head-to-head? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next game, which I I bet until I woke up to just terrible news that couldn't have happened to a better man. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are now one and a half point favorites at the Cleveland Browns. Now that. Deshaun Watson is out for the year. The goddamn Ravens broke his shoulder. They ruined his entire season. I had two Super Bowl futures. One of them went in the toilet or went in the trash in week one when Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. And now I got the Cleveland Browns <laughs> at plus 3,500. That's dead. It's, it's, can they get Jacoby Brissett back? They should they should trade. Well, I know the trade deadline's done, but damn it, why do the Rams have to sign Carson Wentz? <laughs> the who suggested it today? Uh, Gronk, I think. Did you see what he threw out there? No. What did he have to say? Gronk threw out that Mac Jones is so done in New England, like they don't want him. Nobody like he should ask for his release. There's no reason they shouldn't grant it, and that Brown should pick up Mac Jones. I'd rather have PJ Walker. Wow, that's ballsy. I love that. I hate Mac Jones. I mean, everyone does, but he's a dirty little—he's a dirty too. little shit too. Yeah, he's yelling at them while sucking it up. Yeah, that who are you, bro? Yeah, for real. Um, so I went from backing the Browns reluctantly, like almost ready to make the bet, but I did have the forward thinking to be like, let me just wait and see if Deshaun Watson actually practices. Cause I knew he was, I didn't know even fucked him up a little bit. If I'm being honest, I saw it. Um, and now that it's Steelers minus one and a half, I think I'm just going to go with the Steelers. I'm going to go, I'm going to about face my whole AFC North underdog trend. Cause I think Dorian Thompson Robinson's actually going to be the starting quarterback and the Ravens absolutely crushed him. And PJ Walker isn't a lot better. So, so the Steelers actually are back to being underdogs. I mean, I think this is going to bounce back and forth, basically up until game time. But so while I was writing it, because I'm on the I'm on the Steelers as well, the Steelers were plus one and a half, and this was after the news. I grabbed the plus one and a half. I'm not even joking. At literally as I was writing, I went to go back and reference the total. The it was off the board at points bet, and I was like, "Where the hell did the Steelers Browns game?" They put it back on the board with the Steelers as favorites at minus one, and I wrote this in my cap like update. As I was writing this, the line literally moved, and now I'm back on points bet, and now the Steelers are plus half a point. By the way, that means there are two spreads that are plus half a point, which is. This is such a weird week where there's five spreads of 
double-digit favorites and two spreads of less than a point, but more than a pick which is – I never see half-point spreads, and there's two of them. Yeah, dude. So this could go either way. Where it, So I don't even think it matters. Like, the trends I think you can throw out here, like, obviously this is basically a pick at this point. It's vacillating between, you know, one point either way, which to me that's essentially virtually a pick Yep. My biggest trend as far as if you want to talk about trends and stats is Mike Tomlin absolutely owns Kevin Stefanski. He is, let's see, Stefanski's been there. Did they play this year already? Uh, yeah. Remember? Steelers beat them with two, That's right. so, right. two so, defensive touchdowns. One in the first play of the game. Deshaun Watson so, loves doing that. So Stefanski is, uh, has played seven games against Pittsburgh and has covered one of them. Yeah, that's only. Does that count the playoffs? That is the playoff one, All right. Oh wait, yes. So it's eight. Actually, it's, technically, he's actually seven and one, seven and zero oh in the regular season. Tomlin against Stefanski. Take now. it back. Stefanski tested positive for COVID that week and didn't even coach that game. Even better. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. So <laughs> Tomlin is seven and zero oh against Kevin Stefanski <laughs> against the spread. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much that. Also, the other thing I'll add, they didn't have, the Steelers didn't have Cam Hayward for that game. Um, Nick Chubb was running all over the Steelers before they no, broke wait. his leg. I'm sorry, let me just clear this up. No, okay. it that did not include the regular season. Uh, Stefanski covered last year, early in the season, the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17 at home. Yeah, but Jacoby Brissett's way better than Dorian Thompson-Robinson or P.J. Walker. And that was the Mitch Trubisky Steelers, not the Kenny Pickett with the it factor Steelers. Also, Cam Hayward didn't play in uh, week two against the since uh, the Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb ran all over them. Jerome Ford had a huge run, but uh, no Nick Chubb in this game. No threat of a passing game. I think Cam Hayward and the Steelers defense are just going to destroy the Cleveland Browns and offense. This to- can we talk about this total? I mean, this is, is like the low. It's 33 and a half. It's the lowest total I think I've ever seen for a game not expected to be impacted by weather at all. Did you look up the weather forecast? Maybe yeah, there, it's maybe like, it's on top of that. Uh, there's weather on top of that. It's like chance of rain, but the wind is still supposed to be under. And I mean, the wind is like 10 miles an hour, which is not. That's not really an effect. No, it needs to hit it's like not 20. A, it's not enough of an effect. I think it's just these two teams. Like it's simple as that. PJ Walker versus Kenny Pickett. The Steelers' offense has been not good, but it doesn't even matter because Mike Tomlin just wins football games, defying all logic. Yeah, dude, he's a sorcerer. I love Mike I Tomlin. Mean, there's just no other way to say it, right? Like this team's six and three. They have a negative point differential. <laughs> like what? Yeah, how is the, that possible? The only winning team through the first 10 weeks that's ever been outgained in every one of their games by their opponents. Wow. That's a great stat. Yeah. Outrageous. But Mike Tomlin, I want him to adopt me. Uh, next game, the Daryl, uh, the, the Dallas, almost Carolina, the Dallas Cowboys at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are 10 and a half point underdogs. Yeah, I've been burned so many times by the Panthers that I'm finally just going the other way. Dallas this year is every – other than the Arizona Cardinals debacle, 
in the other five games they played against teams with three wins or less, they won by like massive, massive numbers. Their average score against teams, even if you add in the Cardinals loss, their average score against teams with fewer than three wins this season uh, is 30, 36 to 13. Dallas loves making a statement. They love losing to good teams and then making statements against bad teams that then re- it, it, they're the perfect sports talk radio team, right? Because they have these massive games and Dak throws for all these yards and CD Lamb gets yards and then it's Dak's having the year finally and CD's the guy. And it's like, bro, they've, they're scoring all of their points and winning all of their games against the Giants twice, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Rams. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, I think they're going to do it again this week. So I'm back. I'm bet. I'm betting Dallas because I think they're kind of just. That's what they do. They just love beating the shit out of bad teams, and I think they'll do it again this week. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up their ATS record when favored seven or more points. It's only eight and six in the Dallas on the uh, Mike McCarthy era, which began in 2020. I mean, it's got to be almost be higher than that. Well, they would have lost. It's I mean, double they, digits. They would have lost to Arizona, but otherwise, I don't know. Did they have any others this year that were 10 going in? I mean, they were double-digit favorites last week against the Giants and rolled them. They were probably double-digit favorites against, I don't know, that might, wait a minute. Why is this not working? Oh, no. Yeah, they're 5-4 and as double-digit favorites since 2020. Um, the only two instances this year were the Cardinals and the Giants, like you said, now this week against the Panthers. Yeah, that's actually not bad, though, if you think about it, because a lot of teams, when it comes to being double-digit favorites, have negative ATS records. Yeah. So I the mean, fact that they're even over on that is pretty good news. They're winning by an average of 14.8 points per game, so... If that trend holds up, they'll they'll cover this yeah, game by I, a field goal. There's not a lot to talk about. This isn't a great game. It's not one I want to watch. But um, yeah, I, I, look, the Dallas lost to San Francisco. They lost to Philly. They beat the Chargers by a field goal, and then they beat the snot out of it. And then obviously the Cardinals game, which was a disaster. But otherwise, they beat the snot out of all the bad teams they played. So I think that's I think that's going to continue. I don't think this is a look ahead. I mean. It's a little bit because Dallas plays on Thanksgiving next week, which is always a big game for them. But they're playing Washington this year. I'm not sure you're going to get caught looking ahead to Washington at this point. So I'd like Dallas to continue rolling. Washington's putting up a fight in some games. but Yeah, I get it. But it's not a look. Like, to me, if if this was... Eagles. Eagles Niners. or... Yeah, like, it's not a look-ahead spot. I don't think, personally. I agree for the most part. Um, Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions game that I have in one of my five picks. Well, four picks. Yeah, five picks. I'm taking the plus nine and a half with the Bears. Might be down to plus nine, whatever. As long as it stays above eight, I'm going to bet the Bears. They're taking sharp money. It's dropped from 10 point opener, I believe it was 10. Let me find that out for sure while I'm bullshitting. Yep, 10 down to 8.5 right now. There's more bets, though, on Detroit. So it's a, your, I don't know, pros versus Joes game, if you believe in that sort of thing. Most people or a lot of people don't. Um, Chicago, I mentioned this to you in the editorial call, not you specifically, but amongst in your presence. They're fourth in net total yards since week four, which is actually pretty crazy. Um, Justin Fields, ball 
Detroit up last year in a 31-30 loss that I was on the wrong side of. Um, he ran for 147 yards, threw for 167 yards, had four total touchdowns. Also, Chicago's run defense, they they invested in linebackers this offseason. That shit is paying off. They're a, a top three run defense, which is being very conservative. They're pretty much the best run defense in the league. And if you make Detroit one-dimensional, I'll take my chances with Jared Goff. Jared Goff has been balling this year. He's rated number one by PFF. I like him. I think he took too much criticism on his way out the door from the Los Angeles Rams. But division game, um, I like what I've seen out of the Bears. I like how Justin Fields was playing before he got injured. Now he's back. I'm going to take the Bears plus eight and a half. I'm taking the over here. Um, I don't really have a lot to add. I just think there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, these are two of the only – there's nine teams in the NFL that have more overs than unders this year because unders are hitting at a ridiculous rate. And I think the most overs is six, six and four to the over, whereas like the the biggest under teams are like eight and two to the under. Uh, but these teams both tend to play towards overs. They have solid offenses, not above average defenses. I don't think Justin Fields is great, but he's definitely good for points on both sides, whether he's either making big plays for his own team or giving away big plays for the other team. Um, this game is in a dome. I thought this was interesting. Justin Fields averages two more yards per carry in domes than he does out outdoors. Eight and a half yards per carry in domes to six and a half uh, indoors. So I think uh, outdoors, excuse me. So I think that plays. The other thing is Jared Goff plays better in domes. He's completing 67% of his passes in his career in domes compared to 62% outdoors, and his passer rating is eight points higher indoors. Uh, I think the number should be around 50, but based on the fact that just everything is low scoring in the NFL, I think this number is a little low. So uh, I'm going to bet the over 47. I love the dome analysis you 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 sprinkled in there. It is a fast track and. Yeah. By the eyeball test, that does help out Justin Fields. I'm happy you added some numbers to that because that yep. does make perfect sense in my head. I'm trying to see what the betting splits he are. He interestingly doesn't pass better in domes, though, which I thought was interesting. I mean, I think it's like I, I, I either – I looked at it. I would have added it if I thought it helped my argument. Um, he was either like negligible difference or he might even be like slightly worse. I don't know. I thought it was more interesting that he runs for more yards and – Ultimately, when it comes to Justin Fields, I think that's his biggest weapon because I don't think he's a great passer. So I think he's going to need to run. And if and this is a place where he can run and will run. I put this in my piece, which hasn't been published yet, but DJ Moore is kind of like a uh, almost a watered-down version of Debo Samuel, like a 90% version of Debo Samuel. I think he could go off for a big game. He was playing his ass off with uh, when Justin Fields was going good in weeks four and five. So Fields' completion percentage is slightly lower in domes, but his passer rating is actually slightly higher. So, interesting. All right, moving along. A game that me and my brother will include on our Circa entries. He's really on this one, and I'm not that sold onto it because I'm not in the business of playing double-digit favorites often. I did earlier. I actually faded the Bears earlier the season with the Chiefs, but I'm going to lay the 11.5 with my brother uh, with the 49ers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Since this is more of his play, I don't have much analysis to add to it. 
I will say San Francisco leads the NFL in early down success rate, whereas Tampa Bay has the third worst early down success rate. We know that Tampa Bay just loves to run their running backs right into defensive lines. Well, they're going to be running their running back right into the best defensive line in football. Um, Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco don't even see a lot of third downs, right? They should be able to move the ball at will against Tampa Bay defense, which is actually pretty good, has some playmakers, but if they're not playing against a rookie quarterback or I'm not going to take a shot at Josh Allen, but if they're not playing against a rookie quarterback, I think they're going to get just trampled. Eagles went up and down the field on them, and I think the San Francisco 49ers do as well. So it's a Clark brother play, but I'm going to lay the 11 and a half with the Niners. Do you have any pushback or another bet to add to that one? Uh, I don't even remember if I bet that game. I'm trying to look through. I don't think I did. No, I think I stayed off that one. Cool. Do you have any I thoughts? Want to add, no, I just wanted to add to the Justin Fields thing, though, because it just popped and I remembered, you know, we crushed these quarterbacks for turnovers. Justin Fields has combined for 59 interceptions and fumbles in 33 games. That's nearly two either fumbles or interceptions per game. It's bad coaching. Ugh. It's terrible cool. coaching. That's terrible what I, coaching, terrible offensive line, no weapons. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> that's what that's what people do when they uh, when they really like someone, they want to criticize them. They should blame the coaches. Nah, yeah. man, that guy can't. Guy couldn't hit the side of a barn. I mean, no, he's terrible. He's made but some he does plays. Make some big plays. Yeah. yeah, he makes big plays, but he I, makes really bad plays, and that's the problem. The inconsistency will never lead to long term success. I think I'm more forgiving or more. Yeah, forgiving or accepting of, we'll say, bad pocket passers than you. Like, I like I like Lamar Jackson. I like Justin Fields. I mean, Kyler Murray's too small to throw it from the pocket. Whereas, like, I think your default position is to not maybe not fade those guys, but definitely be anti them when it comes to, like, season-long projections. I don't think that I just don't think it's a sustainable way to win in the NFL. And I mean, we've never really seen it. So it's hard to argue against me there, but people still try to. All right. Uh, AFC East matchup. I hit this one earlier. It was my only two unit play given out the entire season. I got dumb lucky, but Buffalo allows teams to get lucky with their stupid turnovers. They are seven point favorites when hosting the New York jets um, this weekend. I want nothing to do with this game. I want nothing to do with this game. What do you? I'm right back on it? the Bills. I'm right back on the Bills, man. Like I, this is all absolutely overblown nonsense. The Bills are still one of the eight best teams in the NFL. The Jets are not. The Bills have gotten really, really unlucky. I shared you with you a couple stats today. The Bills have fumbled eight times and lost seven of them, which is it's just unsustainable. It's just it's. It's bad luck. I mean, there's no way to say it. The Steelers, conversely, I didn't want to mention this earlier, but uh, because it goes against it, but the Steelers have fumbled six times and they've recovered five of them. So, I mean, again, fumble luck is one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest trends to ignore and even possibly fade. And I explained this to you earlier in the year when it came to the Vikings and you were like, they don't protect the football. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. And that's a high bar to climb. Um, Sorry, I know I'm I'm in a like a punchy mood. I apologize. That was that was uncalled for and unnecessary. 
I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize. Um, it's all good. But we had I love this, this argument edge about that the, you bring to the table. We had this argument about the Vikings, and you were and like, "You haven't they forgotten." They don't value the football, and I was like, "That's so dumb." Like that's just such a like I. You know why I think that's dumb, and why I was mad that you said it because I don't think you are dumb, and I think you're better than arguments like that. And it annoyed me that you even tried to make it. Anyway, point being, what happened? That turned around because it always does, and the Vikings have won five games in a row, just like I said they would. That's going to happen to the Bills. Just remember, I'm trying to let everyone learn from their past mistakes, and people don't want to. They just they just ignore it. I think it's it was a fair criticism then. It's a fair criticism now for you to say that I am that I am falling into some recency bias. This with the Bills yes. isn't recency bias. These throws it is though. Josh Allen interception in nine straight games, right? Like I, they fired Ken Dorsey for a reason. I know a lot of the internet um, sharp sports betters are clowning Sean McDermott and the Bills for firing Ken Dorsey, calling him to be an innocent bystander. But the fact of the matter is, Sean McDermott wants complimentary football, and this guy is putting too much on Josh Allen's plate. Given, frankly, I don't think their weapons are that good outside of Stephon Diggs, and they do need to protect the defense a little bit because it is banged up so i do think you know if you're gonna do something consistently i think you start to weigh that in and i agree that i jumped the gun a bit on the vikings but i think the turnover problems for the bills are kind of real i'm not gonna fade you here but okay (laughs) whatever me um next game another game that i successfully bet in week one another divisional matchup I'm just going to go back to the well with the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Los Angeles Rams. My boy, Matt Stafford is going to return for this game. Thank God we got a pros versus Joe's game. Pros favoring the Rams Joe's on the Seahawks. I guess I think the Seahawks have been overrated by the market for weeks. Now Um, I faded them successfully last week against the commanders. And I feel like the week before, but I can't remember who they were playing. Geno Smith after lighting it up for the first five weeks of last season really isn't that good. Seattle's offense since week four of the season is 23rd in EPA per play. Geno Smith is 27th and on target rate. He's got eight turnovers since week four. What a uh, great transition to last year when you were trying to explain to me that maybe Geno Smith was good because he played good for like six or seven games. I just want you to learn. I, I, just I want, want you, you to, to add, learn. Why don't you add some goddamn context to that? I said that in week one <laughs> when I was explaining why the Seahawks uh, would cover against the Broncos, and I was right. You were right. saying it in I the was middle right. of the season. You were saying it in the middle of the season after he had that six-game run. And Did I it just help kept me going, win a bet? Eh, Did it help me Gino, win a bet? Still Geno Smith. Uh, I'm with you here on this bet. I agree with you. Everything you said, the Seahawks are the other team in the NFL that has six wins and a negative point differential on the year, along with the Steelers. Oh, shit. Yeah, they're, uh, I think they're, they're minus one, but they are, they are minus with, with six wins, which is interesting. Um, and the Rams, I think, are a little underrated. Like, their record's a little misleading in the other direction, which is, yeah, they're three and six, but their first five losses came against San Francisco, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Dallas. Yeah, the I mean, third hardest uh, strength of schedule, whereas Seattle's is the 30th. Yeah, exactly. And so, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone thinks the Rams are as good as those five teams I just mentioned, but I also don't think they're as bad as the other teams that have three wins or less because, again, all their losses uh, have come against really good teams. They beat the Seahawks in week one. Now they've got Cooper Cup back. They're coming off the bye. Stafford, Cup, healthy. I, I think this is – I just think this is a lock. I'm with you. It's one of my uh, five picks for sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, cool. Well, we agree. We don't have to sit there and belabor the point. Let's talk about Sunday Night Football. Minnesota Vikings, who I'm going to end up backing here since since Deshaun Watson's injury. They visit the Denver Broncos in Mile High. Denver is only two-and-a-half-point favorites. Again, it's in Mile High, and Denver's just coming off a Monday night victory. Monday Night Football victory over a Buffalo Bills team, which the market still has a lot of respect for. And a lot of people do, rightfully so. So do you. This this number just feels stinky. feels like a trap. I love Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores, that coaching connection. And I told you this uh, via text, or I texted you this, that I think your look with Kirk Cousins and the, and the Vikings to, to make it to the Super Bowl – would have been like, at this point, if he was still healthy, we'd be like, holy shit, okay, we, we got something here. Because I predicted Brian Flores would get this defense right by the end of the year, and Kirk Cousins was playing at a very, very high level prior to the injury. Josh Dobbs, clearly not as good, but I just no, no, like no, no, what no. he brings to the table. See, that's the thing. Not clearly not as good. Josh Dobbs is... I believe, even though they've won and everyone's like, oh, Josh Dobbs, great story. He's like last among quarterbacks in everything. Like he's not playing as well as everyone like assumes that he is. I'm actually, that's the only reason I stayed away from this. I would have loved to have fade Denver here. I I like Minnesota a little bit, but I worry about Dobbs back to earth. Um, I think the Broncos win last week was extremely misleading. Just watching that game, Denver just didn't look very good. Um, the run defense, like they literally stopped playing defense. It, the James Cook touchdown from two yards out there, the Vikings snapped the ball. And I don't think half the Denver defense didn't even move. They're just like, yeah, whatever. And then on that last drive where the bills ran for 75 yards and a touchdown to take the lead with two minutes left in the game, they didn't even look like they were trying to tackle James Cook or Josh. Like they didn't look like they were trying. This was not. And you could say, like, oh, maybe they were gassed. Like, dude, this is four minutes to go in the game. You're trying to stop a team from scoring a go-ahead touchdown, and they showed no effort. And that, to me, is a big red flag. It again goes to my point about Sean Payton, who I think is wildly overrated. And now all the people were taking their victory laps on Sean Payton. I think that win against Buffalo was extremely misleading. Again, the Broncos got super lucky with turnovers. They got super lucky with that Russell Wilson miracle throw. You know, everyone giving Russell a ton of credit. I mean, look, it was a great throw, great catch by Cortland Sutton, but that's not – those aren't repeatable things. Those aren't things you look at and go like, 
oh, they could just do that again. Like, no, that was that. I think NGS ranked that as like the least probable catch in the history of their tracking. It was three percent chance of being caught when he when Wilson threw that ball, uh, which I believe was the lowest ever. Like, that's not sustainable. You can't throw three percent chance to complete passes on fourth down and expect them to be completed. Uh, that series itself, I thought was really interesting. I was watching the Manning cast with Patrick Mahomes at that point, and Mahomes accurately predicted every play the Broncos were going to run, and then they did. And honestly, so did Buffalo. They stopped them. They stopped them on third down and two. They went for it on fourth down, and they stopped them on that play. Buffalo had a perfect defense for that play, and they scored because Wilson just hucked the ball up and Sutton made that crazy catch. But, like, realistically, Buffalo perfectly played that. That was like a – they ran a little play-action rollout. Buffalo was all over it. I don't know, man. I – Ugh, God, Denver annoys the hell out of me. But I'm taking the under because it's prime time. I don't believe in Dobbs. I think the Broncos' uh, offense is not good. I think their run defense is bad. So I think Minnesota is going to try to run it a lot, hide Josh Dobbs. I think it's actually good that Alexander Madison might not play in this game because he's extremely inefficient, and I'd like to see what Ty Chandler has. Maybe he can actually um, keep the clock moving a little bit better than Madison. So uh, I'm on the under here. Yeah, I think Denver's – Defense has become overrated. Like they played good games against Kansas City, Green Bay, Kansas City again, and I don't even think Buffalo's defensive for the performance against uh, Buffalo was that impressive. Kansas it wasn't, City, and not only that, like they they held Buffalo again in check with points, but that had, that was because Gabe Davis let a ball hit, hit bo- between both of his hands and then deflected right to a defender. Like that wasn't a great play by the Denver defense. Bills had what they wanted. Gabe Davis was open. Allen hit him. Ball went through his hands. Got picked off. They made a nice play on that strip of James Cook on the first play. But again, not that's not super repeatable. That's not great defense per se. That's more like a good play by a by a player who who made a good play. And then they recovered it kind of luckily on the sideline. If that doesn't happen, you know these these just you had to look for things that are sustainable. And I don't see anything in this Denver team that's particularly sustainable. And even though they turned Buffalo over and start like Denver's starting field position average was like the 50 yard line, which is unheard of in an NFL game that you your average starting field position was like midfield and they scored two touchdowns. One of them was the aforementioned super lucky Russell Wilson play that the Bills defended on fourth down. So, yeah. Oh, also one other thing as far as the under I, Denver just doesn't trust anyone at all like Jerry Judy doesn't touch the ball Cortland Sutton only catches slants for like five yards they their running backs have combined for 76 touches over the last two games that's 38 touches per game for their running backs that means obviously clock moving running back touches are absolutely what you want in an under because it's much more likely that it's not going to go for a ton of yards and that the clock's going to keep running dude they're three and one over the last four games the Broncos, they have six more passing yards than rushing yards. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's yeah. embarrassing. Like, and then you hear, you got all these talking heads being like, Russell Wilson is reviving his career. It's like, oh, my God. You guys, yeah. you know what it just tells me? All that ever, all this ever tells me, and I, I had a super long conversation about this yesterday, like people just don't watch football. And it frustrates me when I get into arguments with people who I know don't watch football, and then they say things that prove that they don't watch football, and they want to argue with me. I watch a ton of football. I watch virtually every game. I have a setup in my house that I watch 
at least six games at a time during the one o'clock window. I watch all the four o'clock games. I watch all the primetime games from opening kick to final whistle. Like I watch football. Stop arguing with me. People who don't watch football. Stop it. All right. Or they jump or they jump in for one game and then make their opinion on a team based on that one game that they watched because they were on Sunday night football. Their opinion of the Broncos is is totally based on one game they watched against the Bills. And then they've decided like, no, you got to watch the Sunday afternoon one o'clock games that you don't watch that I watch. And then you'll know about these teams. God, it drives me nuts. Are you done with your NFL hipster PSA? Done. All right. Let's talk about Monday night football. One of the best games of the season, Philadelphia Eagles meeting the visiting the Kansas City Chiefs rematch of Super the last Super Bowl. I think it was fifty two. Doesn't matter. I know. I can never remember. Yeah. I had this weird existential thought the other day. I was like, okay, so we're at like Super Bowl fifty three, fifty four, somewhere in there. I was like, am I gonna be alive for Super Bowl one hundred? Is there gonna be a Super Bowl one hundred? I don't even want to talk about that. We're we're pressed for time here. <laughs> The Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites, I believe, right now um, against the Eagles. I, I, if anything, I'd go with the Chiefs. Um, I think the Eagles' defense has regressed a little bit since last year, and people say the Chiefs' offense has regressed last year, but I think Andy Reid, for the most part, is saving the good plays and their wide-receiving core. It's pretty much identical to last year's. You could say Travis Kelsey fell off a little bit, but he's still got the superstar Hall of Fame gene. This is Mahomes under three. I screwed this up a couple weeks ago by backing the Dolphins. Two and a half, one and a half. And Germany against the Chiefs, it bit me. I'm not going to fade it again, um, but I also don't like it enough to take it to the window in this podcast. I'll probably write it for content on Monday, but... I'm going to stay away for the time being. Uh, Same. This is one of those games that's already a good game. I'm already looking forward to watching it. I'm not going to bet on it. I don't want to have any rooting interest. I just want to enjoy a good football game. Yeah. I say that, but by sometime Monday, I will produce a handicap and a pick. And I will bet the pick that I give out. So, look for that. It's kind of like why I like doing what I do versus what you do, which I respect what you do, but you kind of have to make bets on these games because you have to produce content for a Monday night football game. I like that I get to like pop in and out, and I'm not required to do betting stuff all the time because then I can not bet on these games and then just watch. Yeah, and it can be stressful content to produce, whereas you get to produce fun stuff around the game and what's happening at the game. Yeah, based on the knowledge that I get from watching football. All right. Well, good luck on all your 10 bets this week, buddy. Thanks, man. It's a bounce back week for you. Uh, you know who else needs a bounce back week? Actually, where can people find you? At RealDanZach on X at Outkick.com. You know who else needs a bounce back week? That's the homie Scott Martin. This fool's 0-3 last week. He needs to get his model right. Hopefully he can give out some winners. I'm confident he can. Let's talk to him right now. That's right, baby. It's the Barking Dog segment with Fox News contributor, financial analyst, and just renaissance man, Scott Martin. Scott, you had a shitty week ten. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull any punches. You need to have a bounce back week here. 
Do you have? Jeff, you just punched me. <laughs> you did just punch me. Um, I was 0-3. Um, my second 0-3 week of the season. Yeah, we're still, I think, like a couple games under 500 for the Barking Dog segment, maybe three under. And um, it's um, – well, here's a couple things. First of all, your, your, your imitation of a barking dog or a dog that's been stepped on or whatever that is is really good, number one. So, like, who needs sound effects? I mean, ladies okay. and gentlemen, that's Jeff barking into the microphone. That's not a sound effect that we pay for. No, and number we can't two, pay for it. We, we cannot afford it, of course. I mean, with a losing record, are you kidding me? I can't even. I, I'm, I'm going back to Taco Bell for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Then the thing is, though, and we talked about this last week, boys and girls. This is a methodology. This is a data analysis. This is a time-tested, proven over the course of history, a segmentation that works for the marketplace, meeting the public, being on the sharp side looking at data, line movement, blah, 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 blah. And we got to stick with it. So I got, I love the slate this week, which I don't usually say myself, but not to others. So um, I think we got some really good barking dogs here, man, that look ripe to, ripe to bite. Yeah, dude, I hate the slate every week, but then by the time we record on Wednesday, I warm up to it and I find at least five games. I have roughly six games, one of which, um, I'm on the well. Actually, I'm on the same side as you as all three of them, but the first one Uh-oh. we're going to talk about is one that I just came around on once I woke up to the injury news of Deshaun Watson. But you're going to take what looks to be a point and a half with the Pittsburgh Steelers when they visit Cleveland. It's anywhere from yeah Pittsburgh minus one to Pittsburgh plus one. So essentially a coin flip. Man, and you know, I run this data in the beginning of the day on Wednesday. We usually take the pod, Jeff, and so this was before the Deshaun Watson news. So I was actually getting a point, and it's starting to move, boys and girls. So think about that when we talk about this. But this was a pick, too, man. What's funny about this is that the public is overreacting to Deshaun Watson now because now the thing's kind of flipping. I just pulled up some data as we as we do this later in Wednesday, and it's like you know the public's starting to wise up to uh, the uh, the Steelers now liking where they're doing, but. Here's, here's where I start kind of middle and end this. The, the spread came out with Watson thinking he was going to play or maybe questionable, and, and the Steelers were getting a point, and the Browns were favored, and it was looking just like a weird spread, number one. And then shaping it up to look, Jeff, at any Pickett and company, Najee Harris, uh, Warren, Warren, that running back that stepped up and been a good RB2. RB1, really, it looks like to me, but Najee Harris would have differences with that. And the fact that we have the Browns team that's at home. Steelers are going into into Cleveland. Uh, Steelers Browns. I grew up in Ohio. I'm really a Browns fan. My dad is, but a great rivalry. I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers go to go to Cleveland for games. You know, Cleveland Browns fans go to Pittsburgh for games. And so this is going to be a great game. Uh, it's 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 the one o'clock Eastern slate. But overall, man, you look at where these teams are and what's going on with them. Probably one of the best or most interesting divisions of, um, let's say. Probably one of the most interesting divisions of, I guess, the NFL. And frankly, aren't that different, Jeff? You know, you look at the records, they're pretty much the same. You look at the common opponents, there's some similarities. There's a little bit of differences here and there. But this, to me, set up where looking at it on balance with or without Deshaun Watson, obviously we'll look at it without Watson, there's some good value in the Steelers here just because of the fact that the Steelers, I believe, are getting it a lot together more, let's say, than the Browns are. And Furthermore, when you look at where this game could possibly go, if it's a low-scoring game, if it's a drag them out, beat them up, kind of like the crowd will probably be between Pittsburgh Steelers fans and Browns yep. fans. 
this favors Pittsburgh all day long because of Kenny, the stability in the backfield, and the fact that the Steelers have that running game now that's clicking in the public going into this bet, which again was data we ran at the beginning of Wednesday. The Browns were favored heavily by the by the by the public, not heavily, but decently enough to be pointed out in the model. And therefore, I'm sticking with the Steelers as I always do when we pick one out of here because the public made it because of where the line movement was and what we're seeing with Deshaun. And there's probably an overreaction here, too. That's a little bit of a concern for the Steelers. I still like the fact that the Steelers, to me, come in as the better team and take this one home. Yeah, last week I was on the Browns over the Ravens um, because of an AFC North underdog trend. Um, Very nice. Team underdogs in AFC North games since 2018 are 42 and 22 against the spread. So you just kind of blindly bet an underdog in these games and you should make some money. Now, we were going to be opposite earlier this week because I was going to take the Browns minus four. I was on them earlier this year when they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers at in Pittsburgh week two, and they just choked all over themselves, peed down their legs, just a stinky, ugly dog. Well, actually, they were a favorite in that one. and They were. But the dog peed in the house. Let's just put it that way. You're right about that. (laughs) Yeah, but – I do think, and this is a, a, a slight disagreement with your earlier point, and either way we're on the same side, but I think Deshaun Watson is worth more than four points to the line because the downgrade from Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland backups, whether it be DTR or P.J. Walker, is massive. Like, if P.J. Walker or DTR were starting that game last week against the Ravens and they were down double digits, that game is over. There's no way that one of those guys makes a comeback. So that's why we have agreement here on this one. I'm, I'm taking the Steelers as well. Yeah, and here's the thing about P.J., though. I mean, I, I liked what I saw a little bit here and there with P.J., that Colts game, especially earlier in the, in the year. P.J.'s done this before. He can start. He's got the offense. I mean, they know what to run for him. Um, and so it's got Stepanski, my, my old boy from the Vikings, you know, coaching the Browns. So there is some hope there for the Browns, and I think – this will level off. This is a tough one because of the news with Watson just breaking, but it's still something that the public your point was over kind of compensating for, I think, that value of Watson a little bit and will continue to do so. And I just like where the Steelers' arrow is, man. And you look at also the injury reports besides Watson, of course. I mean, Minka's questionable. Montrevious Adams is questionable. Hayward's going to play, I hear, from, from some contacts I have. Um, Deontay Johnson's questionable again. The, the reality is most of those guys are going to play. I mean, this is a big game. This is – could be – I mean, ironically, Jeff, this is a game that could have a very, very big stranglehold or or, or stance in what happens in that uh, AFC North. So it's a log everybody's going to show up that can show up that can basically walk. Big-time log jam. I mean, my, my ideal world has all four teams moving out of that division in the playoffs, man. That would be awesome. I don't know if that's ever happened since they realigned the divisions. I don't think it has. So I still like the Steelers here even in light of the Deshaun Watson news. And um, like you said, I, we'll see where the spread goes. But if anybody's picking the Steelers, I'd recommend moving on at ASAP. Yeah, they they turn into road favorites in this one without Deshaun Watson, that's for sure. A game yep. I'm a lot more confident in, one of the early bets or picks that I made this week, is the Arizona Cardinals getting four and a half points as they visit the Houston Texans. We're aligned, so that's good. What is the model saying? And maybe I can piggyback off of it. My good man. Um, here's the thing. 
this, this is set up. I always say set up because the setup is everything. I mean, this is a perception model. It's a emotional model. I mean, I feel like I'm talking about myself. This is so great after an over three week, but it's like, this is all perception and reality model that we run when it comes to public fades and line movement and data points and capital flows. The Cardinals just, I mean, your boy Murray came back last week. Look, look, look good. I mean, he was, he was making plays, dude. He like, he never missed a beat. I mean, it's like he and Cliff been going out to drinks every other night, like hanging out, like figuring out how the dude was going to come back and make a huge splash. I mean, he looked good. He looked good moving around. I mean, it was like, he was like playing third base for the A's or whatever position you played in baseball. You know, it's like he was doing well. So, Brown, I grew up in Ohio, as I mentioned previous. It's probably one of the best Ohio State quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL, which is sad to say, but also true. I mean, dude's like, dude, your boy Stephen A. Smith is talking about CJ. I think he is. I'm not 100% sure Stephen A. I think he's talking about CJ for the MVP race, which is nuts because it's kind of true. I think it's a little bit premature. And Jackson just, just came off of that Bengals win and, and looked pretty good. So it's, it's a position where like this fade on the public perception of what CJ Stroud is. It's a Texans home game. They're three and one at home this year. Texans are five and four overall. Cardinals 0 and five. Five on the road. That will mean revert. They'll win some games on the road, most likely. Yep. And so it's kind of like we're doing this in a perceptive fade, let's say, of where the Cardinals are and where the Texans are as well, or where they're both going. I think Texans are still moving forward. I think the Cardinals are still still the stinky team that they always were, trading Josh Jobs, Dobbs, for example, to my, my boys in purple, um, and Vikings, that is. But public is all over, all over the Texans based on what they saw in Cincinnati, based on what they think C.J. Stroud is, and based on what they think the Cardinals are not. And that is a lovely, lovely, lovely setup, my man, for the Cardinals to come here and probably not win this game, but believe it or not, bust that spread, which Jeff looks good, dude. I mean, it's like five, it's, it's roughly five on balance across most of the books. And the public's looking at that and going to the window and being like, I'll take it all day long and twice on Sunday. That's why I'm taking the cards, man. Yeah, Houston's like the darling in the NFL. Their coach is getting coach of the year buzz. Um, CJ Stroud's getting MVP buzz. So this is a perfect time to fade them. You got agreement with me on this one. And Stephen A. Smith is not my boy, but Kyler Murray is. I'm, uh, I am a Kyler. Oh, okay. Does Stephen A. know that? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't know that. But uh, I don't think Kyler Murray knows either. But I love Kyler Murray. I, I'm a huge fan of his game. And I think the Cardinals are going to win this game outright. People are going gaga over wow. the Texans. This is the same Texans team. That lost fifteen to thirteen to the Carolina Panthers, right? They also lost nineteen to twenty-one to the Falcons, a team that the Cardinals just beat and should have beaten by more points because they were more efficient down to down. So, I think the Cardinals are going to win this one outright. They're a team that I'm going to be betting on a lot down the stretch of the season because they traded Josh Jobs for a reason. They have a franchise quarterback, and he looks pretty good. Does. And let's look at road performance. And th- th- Jeff, I love your analysis, man, because you're totally right about how the Texans. I mean, they're still the Texans, dude. Still yeah. are the Texans. Plus the Carolina and, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Exactly, exactly, man. And they look like doggy poo when they are in that game. I mean, they look like they could do nothing. And granted, that game was on the road. They scored thirteen. Scored thirteen pan- points against the Panthers. In, in Jeff, they had turnovers. I mean, that was a nasty game. 
So if you just look quickly at the Cardinals, too, their last five, um, three of those games have been on the road. At Cleveland, they got goose egg. At Seattle, they scored 10 points. At the Rams, they scored a whole nine. So they don't. So you could say they don't play very well on the road. Leading to over-perception. That is leading to too much public confidence in the Texans. Bring this one home by like 20. I, I've seen people talking, and granted, you know, it's the internet, so people talk, shockingly. And people are saying, oh, my God, the Texans are going to be up 20 to nothing and a half, blah, blah, blah. Dude, this could be a really exciting game. Mono Imano, Kyler versus CJ. I love the setup of this game, and I, uh, I'm taking the Cardinals with you, man. I don't know if they'll outright win the game. I would probably put a little money line sprinkle on it, but definitely taking the five and taking it home. Oh, knowing you like I do, you're definitely going to put a money line sprinkle on that. You almost have to if you're going to bet an underdog. you got to sprinkle a little bit on their money line. And... Fine, fine. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to peer pressure you into it, but – to your earlier point, it is going to be an exciting game because the Texans, they've played in five straight one-score games, four of which have been decided by three or less. So it's going to be a tight one. And good call on those three or less games because and nothing against the Texans, but those have been late scores where things went right, penalties, a, broke, a, a broken tackle, a busted coverage. Let's see again, that mean reverts. Like, that doesn't happen every single game unless it's just your year, which – Maybe happen. I mean, I think of the Ravens back when was that 2000 when they crushed it with Dilfer and all that stuff. And a couple of our teams, San Francisco later, I think it was in 08 or 09. I mean, there's teams that have done that. That's not. And you better believe that my cash flow, my money, the thing that's in my wallet, I guess it's cash. It looks like it. it feels like it. Smells like it. That money's going on the Cardinals, man, because that is likely to not happen again to this team, which is the Texans. And therefore, give me Arizona. All right, another bet, uh, your final bet that we're both aligned on here. I This was my best bet in week one. I'm going back to the well with the Rams. They're hosting the Seattle Seahawks. It's a pick em, effectively. I don't know, minus one each way, each way whatever. Um, I love the Rams here. I don't see why this game plays out much different than the week one beatdown that the Rams put on the Seahawks. They got Matthew Stafford back. Matthew Stafford destroyed this defense in week one without Cooper Cup. And I, I think this is the Rams all the way. I Seattle, I think, is one of the more overrated teams in the NFL. So why why are you on the Rams? Because I love you, Jeff. You said you <laughs> love the Rams here. I'm, I, oops, shoot, this is being recorded. This is, this is a lovely, <laughs> lovely situation because, sorry, I know we must go on. Um, you know, you just know, this is a, here's keep, a, keep whispering sweet nothings to me. I love it. My letters and cards. That's the question. <laughs> Never write back. So this is a three and sixteen Jeff, who's one and three at home um, against the Seahawks, who are two and two on the road, and six and three coming in. And the spread is is basically not like you said. It's a coin flip. It's it called yeah. a pick 'em. It's Seattle minus one, maybe minus half. It's very very strange. Like this is look at spreads, boys and girls. We look at capital flows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This data guy. This is stuff that just screams at me. Hits me over the head with a frying pan and then punches me in the face because it's a dog that is for a reason. Don't get me wrong, but it's a dog that's not really that big of a dog, but it's a dog in the public eyes for certain. And so you've got that where Stafford is back. That's questionable. I like it when you used to call me Puka before Cup came back. That was really cool. That stopped for some reason. I don't know why, but whatever. Puka's questionable. Um, Ernest Jones is questionable at the linebacker spot, but there's not a ton of injuries on the Rams anymore to your points, as you've been talking about the Rams a lot this year. And the Rams aren't playing that great. I mean, they, they've had, you know, some stinky 
situations. I mean, against Green Bay, they looked like absolute doggy poo. Um, the Dallas game was not good. Those were both on the road. They've been on the road two games in a row. The game against uh, Pittsburgh was tight, and then that was home. Arizona was a good win. So the Rams can play well. They can do it at home. And the Seahawks, to your iteration, mystery, bro. I mean, Geno Smith is – I mean, he should be making pizza somewhere in West Virginia, not on the football field, and, and certainly not trying, let's say, to throw to DJ uh, Metcalf and, and, and lock it because – he doesn't get the ball to him, man. I mean, it's crazy. It, it's not even a, a real effort. It looks like Chino's putting in. I mean, he totally messed us, and I will never forgive him. And, and remember, this is not emotional, so don't get all crazy, Potters. <laughs> but that game against Cincinnati, man, I will never forget him again for when he were there at Cincinnati. We had Seattle yeah. in that game. We lost that game by a skosh because they lost by four. But that's Chino Smith, dude, is my point. Stafford is a better quarterback. He's not getting the credit from the public. It shows up in the data. It shows up in the spread that he should be getting some more credit. Yep. It shows up in the records. Fine. I'm data. And that's where I like the Rams here big time. No, nope, I'm with you here. I think Geno Smith is overrated. The offense hasn't been playing very well since week four. He's been missing a lot of throws that he should otherwise make. And we saw that and it cost us against the Seattle or against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like you just said, they got the ball inside the 10 yard line twice with five minutes left twice. and they couldn't twice. score. Yeah. Couldn't do anything. And, and, and they were lucky to get it down there. Even Jeff, I mean, I watched that game as you do. We watched you know, all the games and it's like Smith had some things go right with them. Hit a couple of lucky kind of throws or just throws where guys were like, damn, is that guy really open? But the point is he still screwed it up and they're yeah. wasting Kenneth Walker. And, and the Rams just have a little bit more to prove here. The Rams aren't going to make the playoffs. I get it. They could win this game and maybe get back into the talk. But the Seahawks are way, way overblown for who they really are as a core team. I think it shows up on Sunday in L.A. No, they're really good in between the 20s, but on third down and in the red zone, they're terrible. They're terrible. They're a, t- they're, they're a bottom Horrid. five team. And that is a that is not a good situation when you're going against a Sean McVay team who excels on third down and in the red zone. So I, I love it. I mean, the Rams are mine and Dan's favorite pick of the week. So hopefully that means Dan's good on things. Board, man. That's what you call the trifecta. Yeah, baby. All three of us. Well, I think you're going to bounce back, dude. I do. I'm feeling a three and a week here since we're picked. We're, yeah, but thank you, Jeff. I mean, we have all the same picks. I have to have faith in what you got going on here. Yeah. Good point. If I don't bounce back, then you don't bounce back, and then we're all uh, we're yeah. all up the creek till next week, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, we're all we're, we're all going to need to bounce back week in week twelve. But I think I'm going to go five and zero. I think you're going to go three and zero. I don't think Dan's going to go ten and zero. But if he can just get above five hundred and just get heading in the right direction, that's all that matters. Where can people keep up with you, dude? Yeah, keep up with me on X, aka Twitter. At Scotty Markets, talking bets, talking food, and a little bit of music, aka music. Scott Martin, aka the Renaissance Man. Love it. Thanks for thanks for hanging out. Thanks for giving us your barking dogs of the week for Dan Z and Jeff Clark and the Outkick Bets podcast. Peace out. Peace.